0: Welcome to The Coffee Table, the podcast for copywriters who want to get new ideas and inspiration for building and scaling a business you love.
1: In this podcast, hosts Grace Fortune, Nicole Morton, and Erin Pennings bring new topics and guests to the table every single episode.
2: We're spilling the beans on how you can use your interests and expertise to define what success means to you and take steps to achieve it. Welcome back to the copy table. I'm Grace Fortune, and I'm with Erin Pennings and Nicole Morton. Today, we're introducing Erin Pennings, who we feel is awesome because she is basically a unicorn. She is an expert in brand messaging, thought leadership, and also strategy for messaging and marketing. And I can't wait to dive in because I am just so excited to get inside of Erin's brain. She has been a very, very close friend of both me and Nicole now for, you know, a couple of years. And we want to highlight what makes Erin so awesome. So Erin, how are you feeling? I feel good.
1: I have my caffeine in hand and a very hard Christmas cookie that I will not be munching on
0: because (laughs) you'll be able to hear every crunch here. (laughs)
2: That's so funny. I love that. So you're part marketing strategist and part copywriter. and You also work with small businesses and founder-led B2Bs that need strategy and copy support to successfully pivot or launch. There's also your reach visibility trajectory, which is a flexible framework that gives business owners tools to delight their audience and develop strong and strategic relationships. In addition to -to one-to-one copywriting and strategy services, You also have a course called Womp Womp to Wow, and that's a website copy course. And it also offers copy coaching and punch, and you also offer punch-ups. You have been featured, you know, in many different places, including the Copywriter Club Underground, Copywriter Club Accelerator, and also multiple different podcasts and online summits. Um, I know that in your spare time, I know that you like to read. And you can always also be found chasing your children around (laughs) Uh, and also gardening. So they uh,
1: they frequently make appearances for anyone who has, um, yes, has been on Zooms with me more than once over the last year. You have likely met one or both
0: of my children. We love that. And they're they're multiple animals.
2: They're both cute as a button and so are your animals. So, uh, Aaron, there's going to be a lot to unpack in this interview. So I want to dive right in. So the first question that I want to ask you is, how did you get here? What made you choose this path?
1: In a lot of ways, as <laughs> as, as odd or as, as Zen or however you want to describe it, whatever it sounds like, this path in many ways chose me. Back in high school, I was like, I want to do PR. And then someone very close to me who I love still to this day was like, it's really competitive, you might wanna find something else. But the truth is, that's always been something I've done. I've always done some form of marketing or communications. It has played a role in every single job that I've had, in every single place that we've lived. So it's interesting to see how all the threads lead together. If you look disparately at all the jobs I've held, I joke a lot of times when I'm leading into speaking, it's like, you might look at all this and wonder what the heck it all has to do with yeah. Because I have been an assistant base manager of a helicopter flight same base. I have been a tour director standing at the front of the motor coach speaking and telling people what they're doing for the next 10 days. I have done hot tub sales and managed kind of the the business side of the hot tub service business. I'm going to go on and on and I'm not going to go on and on because I could, but the common thread is always messaging. You always have to know what people need to hear and that sounds really disingenuous, but I don't mean it in that way. You have to know what drives people, what motivates them, what makes them want to do whatever the thing is that whether you're selling it, whether you're talking about it, whether you're telling a story, you have to figure out how to engage people. And that involves digging deep into their brains. And so back in like the early days of email marketing, when it was still a novelty, I was managing programs and products for a tour agency. And so I was trying to get into people's emails. Email marketing was just taking off. And it was like, it doesn't matter what's in the email if I can't get them to open it. So it was all about, okay, what what is going to drive the needle? What is going to get them to open the damn email? So that's really when it started without realizing. At one point, I had started a blog unintentionally. I accidentally started a blog because I was kind of taking this cooking adventure unofficially. It was not Julie and Julia, although it was right around the time that Julie and Julia came out. And I was like, oh, I could just store all my recipes in a blog. That way I don't have to keep track of them. I can't lose them in an email. I can't lose all the word documents, whatever, all the problems that I'd had with technology at that point. And I got, I taught myself WordPress. I taught myself how to blog. I taught myself how to build a community. And truth be told, you you can still find those blogs out there incidentally, but the blogging was not that great. The writing was good but I didn't understand the principles of conversion at that point in blogs and realistically that hadn't emerged yet this is like 2009 2010 but because of that I was able to not only do my job but then I was able to when I went out on my own the first time I had a one-year-old my father had just passed away and I had this epiphany that no one is going to give me the life I want unless I make it mm-hmm. my own so I quit I hiked around Alaska with my son on my back for 6 months which sounds really cool but the reality is, is I didn't like Camp. We went on day trips. I hiked. I ran with him in the stroller. I did a lot. I was in phenomenal shape. I had an amazing group of friends who was doing the same thing, and I started blogging for people. Some of them were owners of the company that I had worked at prior. Some of them weren't included that company, and I found a PR job that was online that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But it became a job, and very soon again, I was working for someone else's priorities. I didn't have the ability to take on my own clients. It got to the point, you know, all things come to an end, all good things come to an end, as the saying goes. It was the time. It was no longer a good fit between us for a variety of reasons. So I quit my job in 2019. I had a friend who was like, I'm going to start an agency. And I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for her for like six months. And she kept pushing, like kicking the can a little bit further down the road. And finally, I'm like, I got to do this something and I looked at starting a health coaching company. I looked at doing a lot of things. And so I talked to a friend who had a health coaching company and she was like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Now I'm a VA because I've got all this technical marketing background that can help people. And I was like, cool, I'm going to open a VA business. Hmm. Had no clients, had no idea how to go about it, had no plan, but I quit my job and I got started and I joined all of these Facebook groups. And at this point I was still thinking I was going to be a VA but I couldn't figure out how to sell myself. But what I figured out very quickly is that everyone had a marketing problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone's websites were terrible. And I say that with love. Everyone's websites needed help. Maybe mm-hmm. a better way to, to say this. Because even Nike, even the big guys, they all need help with their websites. There's no website that's ever completely done or completely perfect. And anyone who tells you otherwise is like wrong. When given the opportunity to have an opinion, I always have one. So the very first thing that I did, other than creating a terrible website of my own, which basically was just out there to be like, Hey, this is me. This is what I do. This is who I can help, which at that point was everyone with anything because, Hey, um, I just wanted to bring in some income. I started a mailing list right away. And the very first thing was a 10 point website, copy checkup. Nicole and Grace, you already know that that is the foundation of one of my lead magnets today, which mm-hmm. is still 10 points. Some of the 10 points have changed slightly over the time. But in addition to that, I give people 30 quick fixes, three fixes for each point. Mm-hmm. What you may be doing wrong. Here are some things you can do to fix it. So without even realizing it, I was already a copywriter again. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was a copywriter. I was like, maybe I'll write some blogs for some people too while I'm while I'm at it. Why not? and I did, um, but I had a gross misconception of the cost of running a business and my capacity to write those blogs mm-hmm. and what that would do for money. What I charged early on wasn't even profitable. I'm pretty sure like I paid them <laughs> to work for me. By the time I had a computer, by the time I had internet, by the time I actually sat down I didn't know how much it was costing me every hour. I still technically don't. I just have like this, uh, I'll tell you my formula later. We can talk We can talk about that at another point. It is highly not technical, but it was the foundation of everything. And then and I'm going way deeper than, than where I think we, you were even asking, but you know me and I can't help talking. I am like here you. for it. You're here for it. Hopefully everyone else is too.
2: I am no here mm-hmm. for it.
1: But I'd finally made enough money to pay myself back for all the expenses. I was very excited. I was going to give myself an actual paycheck that wasn't a reimbursement. Mm -hmm. And then I met Robin Kira through the Copywriter Club podcast. And I was like, accelerator. So I handed them all the money that I'd made and was very happily. It was one of the best experiences in my life. Because at that point, even though I knew I was writing and this is where I wanted to go, At that point, I was still creating another job for myself, which is a whole different story, but I met people. And I did not, until that point, understand the value of connecting with people who I had no intention of ever selling my services to. I didn't understand, even though I'd been building a network, I had been building a network with prospective referral partners. I hadn't been talking to people who, who did what I did. I didn't understand why I needed to do that. And that was when things started to click. And within... A month of graduating. I had my first $6,000 month and it just went up from there. And then all the things happened. I said yes to everything. It was 2020. And I was sure the bottom was going to drop out of my life at some point. And I made myself a little crazy. And that's when I met the two of you quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have questions. I've been monologuing here. No. <laughs> I'm prone to there, do.
2: There is a lot like so much to unpack here. <laughs> You've shared so many like so many tidbits. Um Nicole, did you want to get started with any questions?
0: Yeah, I wanted to know a little bit more about your decision to jump in and make make the scary scary choice to go into business for yourself. It is very easy and often very rewarding to be a part of a larger collective, but what was your motivation and what do you think you learned from making that choice?
1: I simply put, I was not employable at that point. I had two small children. No, and I mean, you're laughing. I see people on the who are listening can't see you laughing. Both. It's hard um, hard saying.
0: I feel this in my soul, Aaron. but yes, I, please carry on.
1: I had a four-year-old and a baby. At that point, I think she was two and he was six, but I had two very young children. My husband traveled five to six days a week. It was just me at home. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even get to the gym. It was all I could do to take my one kid to preschool because by the time I bundled everyone up, I couldn't get there. It was just me around. I We had family in the area, but they had their own lives. It, I, it, anyway, it was me. I couldn't have functioned at a job because I would have always been out taking care of my kids. My daughter still catches every cold that she comes into contact with, whether it's within like inches or a mile, she's going to get it. Which means that I also get it. Which means that I have anyway. Long story short, I couldn't have held down a job no matter how capable I was. Where we lived, there was no there was no money that I could have afforded to even take the job. I was better off to try to cobble some stuff together on my own. Even not being very much money that first year, we ate a lot of ramen. I think because I didn't have a plan. But the only path forward for me was to open my own business, remote work. Would have been a thing, but it it was still really emerging in 20s to 2019. Um, people did not see that it was possible. And so that was something interesting about 2020. When every business became an online business, everyone realized that they had to get their sites in order. or They had to start reaching out to people and that presented a ton of opportunity for me. Does that answer your question? What?
2: Yeah, um, I'm wondering like what what other kinds of opportunities did that open up for you? I know that you had mentioned that you had started joining like masterminds like um, the accelerator and the think tank, but what other, what other ways did it open up opportunities for you? And what advice, like, I want to know, like what advice would you give somebody who is maybe in that position where they feel like they have to kind of choose between making a living and taking care of their family?
1: For me, those are, those are two various different questions. I think <laughs> for me, Like I said, there was no other choice. I could not keep going down that path and stay sane. So I had, I had to do something. I had my friend, Amanda, who was telling me that this was all possible. I joined a ton of Facebook groups. And the thing that I really credit with starting was helping someone look at their email sequences. I hadn't done it before, but I was like, yeah, I'm a copywriter. I didn't, to be honest, really at that point, know the difference between copywriting, content writing, and what the heck is copy anyway? It's all copy. If it's words that you use to market, it's copy. So I was like, yeah, I'm a copywriter. I'll look at it. And I looked at it for her and gave her some good pointers. She's like, what would you charge to do this? And I'm like, I don't know, access to your course and 150 bucks, because I didn't know. Like, She's like, you're serious. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting started in the business. Yeah, let's do it. And the opportunities that came from that have really like snowballed into a ton of not just different relationships, but different business opportunities that I can trace everything back to her, which is really, really, really cool in terms of the other opportunities that it's opened up. I'm not sure. Can you, can you help me understand where you're going with that question?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when I say like what other kinds of opportunities came up for you, you had mentioned that you had joined like the accelerator. Um, did, did that group open up more business opportunities? So you had mentioned before, like, um, mm, how,
0: okay.
2: how important talking to people who do what you do is, um, I want to know, like, have you been able to kind of leverage that to get more business for your business?
1: Yes. A hundred percent. I understand what you're asking now. So there's still two different questions in my head because the one was like getting started and the other, in terms of yeah. advice, it's say, if you, if can have a plan. Don't do what I did and just be like, I'm going to start a business and I don't know what I'm doing. At least know like what you want to be doing because that will get you like 10 steps further down the road and truly yeah. six months further down the road than I was when I started. But yes, that has opened up a number of doors. One of them being a client that I had that was a very good client for a very long time was Overflow from one of the copywriters that I met in The Accelerator. They have since changed their business model. I no longer work with them. Would I work them again in a heartbeat? Absolutely. They were wonderful. I would say as I got more confidence, as I'd done this more, I knew what to say to move the needle for people. And again, I don't want to be disingenuous. It's not about knowing what people need to hear. (laughs) It is, but it's about doing so ethically and in a way that is authentic and meaningful to you and to them. So all relationships, I think... Have this like you have to give as much as you get, and you have to go into it, not caring if you get anything else back out of it, and it again, it sounds like very woo if you if you think about it that way, but if you let go of the outcome that this conversation that we're having today, whoever you are, perspective client, perspective, student, perspective BFF, perspective, man, I hate your guts, Aaron. um we're never doing this again. No, never no, but like I mean, if you just don't care. It's like, I want to talk to people. I want to learn more about what you do. If there's something that either one of us gets out of it, great. If not, I hope we solve a problem that we don't even know what we're getting into. But my goal in having any conversation is never to sell to anyone unless they are first coming to me and asking how I can help.
2: I I totally second that. I I feel like, I, I think that you've been in business. I know you've been in business longer than me. Mine started in 2020. Nicole, I think was it 2018 that you started?
0: 2019, yeah.
2: 2019. And Aaron, you started a little bit earlier than us. So I want to know like, what is one thing that you would advise, you know, people who are listening to to do or not do when they're trying to start their own business or grow theirs? Yeah, and it's interesting. I've had a couple different like businesses
1: over the years and I've worked in a lot of online businesses. Technically, my business, the legal business, (laughs) started in 2019. And the other ones were legal. It was just as a sole proprietor. sole proprietor, And so it wasn't really a true business license because it was a contractor. It was a 1099 contractor for a lot of people. That went back to 2015. So over the years, I've learned processes and I haven't necessarily thought through them. It's just how it comes together. But I would say if you are thinking about taking the leap or if you have already taken the leap, the leap, <laughs> taken the leap and are finding yourself like at this crossroads being like, what the hell have I just done? How do I move forward? Or if you've gotten yourself to even a point where you're like, it's time for a change. I love what I've built, but it's not what I want to keep doing. This is not Mm -hmm. what I see myself doing in one year, five years, 10 years, whatever that timeline looks like, is I would encourage you to sit down and write what you love to do. Mm -hmm. What does your ideal day look like? What brings you the most joy out of whatever it is you think you're doing? If you're a copywriter, what kinds of projects or outcomes make you really happy? Mm -hmm. because it's not always about ROI. Um, You know, I write a lot of website copy for people. I help people write their own website copy. It's really hard to show ROI with website copy. You don't have specific open rates, which sometimes open rates are this like mystical thing, but um, you don't have specific dollar amounts necessarily. Like with a launch, you have immediate, you know how the launch went. You either sold a bunch, you didn't sell any, you met somewhere in the middle With website copy, it's a little bit less tangible Mm -hmm. and I still love to do it. This is not the only thing that I love to do. Um, People call me a website strategist and I am, but I also like to do a lot of other things. So I would encourage people to, unless they are driven to to, to work with a specific group of people, don't stress as much about finding a niche, stress about finding the projects that you love first Mm -hmm. or the people that you like to work with. You don't have to find a niche. Like my niche is really a personality type, which goes against all conventional wisdom. (laughs) Where they're like, choose a niche, then niche down. And that's just not my reality. I'm a generalist and I enjoy it. But one of the things going back to to what I love most in terms of the, the ROI of a website is the confidence that people walk away with. Hey, yes, maybe you can track analytics. Maybe you can track number of sales calls. Maybe you can track some of these other things. But what else are you doing now that you have a website? You're going to share it with people if you're proud of it. If you love it and if it speaks to what you think you need, you're going to do all the other things that lead you to have success. So mm-hmm. it is harder to track the arrow because what contributed to that?
2: Yeah, that's yeah. so true. I know like my very, very first website, I still can't think about it without printing internally just a little bit. It, it was bad. It was just, it was, Mine was horrible. Yeah. It was it's a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, it was like nothing but a pat on the back. For are you
0: me. really
1: a business owner if you haven't had nutrition? I feel like there's like a <laughs> so side effects
0: commercial there somewhere. So, your varied and disparate and sometimes rocky journey that's gotten you to here to be the messaging strategist that you are today, what do you think? was the thing that moved the needle the most? And what would you want our audience to consider when they're deciding whether to grow or pivot or scale? My answers to
1: those are two different pieces. And the first one is the number one piece of advice I have is to talk to people, Mm -hmm. schedule conversations, schedule 15-minute coffee chats, get to know people one-on-one. In addition to actually forming relationships, you also get a lot of really good data. and I think that's true if you're wanting to pivot as well. You need to talk to people because you need to get a, a feel for what you need. You need to build those relationships. However, if you're getting ready to scale, um, the number one piece of advice I have is to get your messaging house in order. Mm-hmm. You cannot scale unless your messaging is spot on because you will not know what's gonna move the needle to
0: get yourself to that next level until you sure. you're messaging in order. Awesome, I feel that very, very deeply. So how can people find you if they want to know more about Aaron Pennings, marketing strategist? Just like I say that All Roads led me to this
1: point, All Roads <laughs> lead to aaronpennings.com and from ErinPennings.com. You can find out more about me. You can read my blogs. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can download the freebie I talked about, and you can find all my social channels. I am still on Twitter, but like Nicole said in her episode, I am not super active there email's the best way, but you can also reach me on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the coffee table. So on behalf of my co-hosts, Grace Fortune and Erin Pennings, I'm Nicole Morton, and we'll see you next time.